0: We're going to continue our study in 1 John this evening, and we'll be looking particularly at verses 7 through 12. And you will take notice, I hope, that you find this in a context where the glorious truth of the gospel is found, and yet it's in a very practical context. That's not something that is unusual in Scripture. For instance, in Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writes, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he goes into the glorious truth of the person of Christ and his perfect humility and obedience and that unto the death of the cross. And so that we are in that exhorted to have the mind of Christ in humility, in obedience, and in a willingness to suffer for the gospel and for his name's sake. In this you have also the glorious high truth of the gospel but in a very practical context. And so we read in 1 John chapter 4 and verses 7 through 12 Beloved Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. And so, our Father, as we look into this passage of Scripture, we're quite well aware that if it is to have the proper impact in our very souls and and the outliving of our lives in this world, our lives in Christ, that it must be by the grace of God and by the work of thy Holy Spirit. And so we ask thee to teach us, to lead us, to guide us, to enable us to love like we are commanded to do. And as we recognize this in the gloriousness of thy love, sovereignly bestowed upon us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank thee in his blessed and holy name. Amen. Of course, as you've studied with me through this first epistle of John, you will have recognized That this is not the first time that John brings out this matter of our love one for another and our love not simply in a general sense or in the way the world considers love, but in the sense of the way our Lord loves us as is manifested in this passage. And so this is really one of the major themes of this epistle. We found it early in uh, the second chapter of 1 John. And in verse 10, for instance, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. We find it in chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death, and that same love that is patterned after the love of Christ, in verse 16, hereby... Perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Well, we might ask a question: Why is why, why does John so much deal with this matter of love in this epistle, and he does so in this chapter all the way through the end of it, not simply through the passage to which we look tonight? And it's because I believe, as one recognized. The sum of righteousness is the test of being born of God. And the sum of righteousness is love. Love supremely for God and love for each other. And in this passage on love, which really continues, as we said, through verse 21, John is particularly showing how the nature of God is, that nature, of which is love, operates within also the new nature of his child. We who are his spiritual offsprings, we who are begotten of God and brought to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The very nature of God and the nature of his love is placed within. And that is a, an incredible thing, really, as we learn in Scripture. The scriptures make it very clear that love and holiness can never be separated the one from the other. There is a false view of holiness, that it's simply an outward do's and don'ts. But the scripture combines it with a love that is absolutely self-giving and self-sacrificial one toward another in christ and it would be a good idea to turn back in your bible a little bit to first thessalonians chapter three and in first thessalonians chapter three you find love and holiness absolutely combined together in first thessalonians 3 and verses 12 and 13. and the lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. There is what we might call a harsh holiness, which is really no holiness at all. That's the type of harsh holiness that the Pharisees thought they were engaged in. They were very strict in certain details, in their own commandments, in their own doctrines. And, uh, of course, they were judgmental of all others. But they passed over what the Lord Jesus called judgment, mercy, and the love of God. And the problem is that this Pharisee... Spirit is still around not something that was just there in the days of the Lord it's something that we also must be on our guard against even in ourselves there is no real godliness there's no real holiness there's no real practical righteousness without a self giving love for others and uh, the self-righteous frame of mind is very judgmental of others, of course. And The Lord Jesus warns, Why, behold thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, that little speck, and perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is not in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? We first have to cast out that beam of self-righteousness before ever we can be used in a good toward our brother, even when our brother needs correction. And of course, then this is not to say that when we uh, see that which is dishonoring to God or harmful in its influences toward others or harmful to the one who's engaged in wrongdoing, not to say we're not to reprove them, that we're not to try to correct them because we are. But we're to do so in meekness, we're taught in Scripture. We're to do so out of this love for them that sees maybe a wrong that is harmful to them and that we want to see corrected. And, of course, we're taught that in Scripture in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such in one. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And so, we know that love sometimes must put itself on the line, if you were. It must risk losing the favor of another if it would ultimately be for their glory, or for God's glory, and for their good. And so, when we read about love in the scriptures, When we read about it here in 1 John, it is a wondrous manifestation of a love that God places within his own because it is of his very nature in his own. So that what we learn here is that those who know God in truth, they know how to love. They know the real essence of love. They know how this love is really manifested. John wrote first to those who had stood firm, of course, in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ through great pressure to believe another gospel, to believe another teaching that denied the essential person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they had overcome that, as we read in 1 John 4, verse 4. Ye of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Yet the Apostle John makes it very clear that it's not just believing what is right. Yes, that's essential. But it's also practicing what's right. And this is what clinches the test of a true union of life in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have, of course, those three grand areas that are expanded upon here and there in this epistle, and that is faith in the incarnate Son of God, in the Lord of glory, arresting a wondrousness of knowing His redeeming love and, and resting in a finished redemption that our Lord completed by the cross and coming to know, of course, Him. And uh, then a very practical outworking of this whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Another test, of course, as in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5. And then, of course, we have this grand thing, this third area of love of the brethren. And this practicing, then, is not simply in regard to moral cleanness. Yes, the believer should be the most morally clean person there is, but it's not simply in regard to that, but it's in regard to the practiced love of those who are in Christ, as John wrote in 1 John 3, and verses 23 and 24. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave his commandment that of course commandment is in the singular not in the plural these things come together and we comprehend there cannot be a genuine faith in christ without a love for his people and that becomes clear of course in that verse and he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us and it's through the work of god's spirit That the very first thing mentioned in the fruit of the Spirit is this love that John is writing about. So it's altogether possible and all too often true that many can have a knowledge and an acknowledgement, even of the truthfulness of the gospel. There can be a belief in doctrinal truth, there can even be lives that we would call clean. but yet do not practice because not possessing the type of love that is presented in the gospel. It's a very searching thing that we have here. So the Lord Jesus could lay a charge of the most serious nature against those who were absolutely convinced that they knew the truth, that they were of a proper doctrinal position and were strict in at least what they considered their outward morality. And yet in John chapter 5, verse 42, the Lord Jesus says to them, But I know you, however you may appear to men. And to men they looked like they were righteous. But he says, I know you. They have not the love of God in you. So this becomes an incredibly important thing, of course, in Scripture. And John, in essence, is asking, You who believe the truth of Christ, as you must, you who live moral lives, which is vitally important, do you love? And do you love in the way God loves? And that's a huge question that we should ask ourselves, of course. So John gives a very important statement concerning the nature of God and the nature of divine love. When he writes, love is of God. And then he writes, God is love. That's an incredibly important statement. So he's showing that it's the very nature of God to love. And is not here a deifying, as it were, of love. And can never be reversed to say love is God. It's not saying love is God. it says god is love but it's showing the very nature of god and that it's his nature to love and those who never come to know god as love no matter what else they might know about god they know him not and on the other hand of course those who conceive of god as only a loving god and virtually deny the exclusion of God's holiness and justice and wrath still know not God. Those who know not God is a sin-hating God. That's the way we come first to know about Him. That's the way in conviction we come first in the reality that we have sinned against Him. God is a, a, a sin-hating God. And we come to fear him and to recognize that we are under his judgment and we are under the reality that we don't deserve anything good from him. John gives in his writings three essential things about the nature of God. In his gospel in John chapter 4, verse 24, he writes, God is spirit, God is pure spirit, eternal, unchangeable. And he writes in 1 John, the first chapter, verse 5, that God is light, pure holiness, infinite in holiness, no darkness in him at all. And then we have here in this chapter that God is love. And when John writes here about love and exhorts us to love one another... It is not love, as we have stated, considered in the general sense, in the way the world considers love. It's love in a particular sense. It's loving like God loves. No one has a right to the claim of regeneration and of knowing God if they do not love in the way that we have, of course, in 1 John. And if they do not have God living in them, then they cannot manifest this loving like He loves. Whatever else they might have. And this love has rightly been described as the love which the New Testament enjoins involves a consuming passion for the well-being of others. And this love has its wellspring in God. You see, we came into the world selfish. We came into the world all centered in ourselves. And self-centrality, of course, is really within the very essence of sin. And when outside of ourselves, we are actually concerned even more for others, even to the point of sacrificing for them, then that's a different thing than the world, of course, Is used to, if you please. So, we have the nature and the measure of God's love given to us in three ways here in verses 9 and 10 of 1 John 4. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love. He's showing us the nature of this love in God and this love that's in those in whom God dwells. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So first we realize God sent his son. He sent his son into this world to save poor, wretched, needy sinners like us. He sent his son into this world. He gave the very best he had. He gave the object of his own love, his highest love. The father loveth the son even as the Lord Jesus says, and we read in John chapter 3. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, that God spared not his Son. He spared not his own Son. And of course we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is of the same deity with the Father. And in giving his Son, he becomes incarnate. And he comes into this world... In which he shall suffer mightily he who is the light will expose the darkness of sin and he becomes despised rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and yet he loves he loves sinners he loves sinners who apart from the grace of god working in them would reject him would never come to him unless he broke down that resistance, and in his love brought them to himself. So that this is an incredible love that we see when God gives his son. Well, actually, God sent his son, and of course that more precious truth is God gave his son. That's of course in the famous verse John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that means Jew and Gentile. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Believers among Jews, among Gentiles, who are brought to Christ are the objects of a sovereign love, proceeding from God alone, not something drawn from them that's absolutely incredible. And God gives life. He gives life alone in his Son, and it becomes that which is his free gift. Of grace, not merited, not something we could ever earn, not something we are worthy of at all. We're completely unworthy of it. And yet by grace he saves. By divine gift he gave his son. And then not only did God give his son, he gave him to die. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That required the death of the cross. That required The offering of himself as the lamb for sinners slain. This propitiation means that indeed he was the lamb of God through whose sacrifice and sacrificial death, that God satisfied all the demands of his justice in order to freely bestow life on his own, in order to give the wondrous gift of eternal life. And to avert that wrath, which should be the just portion of the sinner. And yet that justice is satisfied through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the death of the cross. John already has shown that this love, this manifestation of God's love is in regard to this truth, that we are to love like the Lord Jesus loved and loves. We read that, of course, in First John chapter 3, verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Here, of course, in chapter 4, we think particularly we have the Father's love in view. But yet, of course, the Father and the Son love with the same love. And this love is ministered by the Holy Spirit, who also loves with the same love. It is God, triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who loves with this sovereign, self-sacrificial, and eternally giving love. God gave the best he had. God gave him to die, to redeem sinners like us. And then we know that indeed he gave him for sinners. He didn't come to save the righteous. He came to save sinners. He came to die the death that belonged to sinners. So that he gave himself for those who were completely, totally unworthy of his love and undeserving of his love. And Yet what an amazing love. As Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one to die. For a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He came to save sinners. He came to give himself for the ungodly. And that's an incredible thing. And for those who never would may have made a move toward him, had he not come, and he not called by the work of his Holy Spirit. So that uh, not only that we, uh, but for those who did have no love for him whatsoever, he died. We love him now, but only because he first loved us so that it has been said here the initiative lies entirely with God before there was any possibility of our exercising such love he first manifested it when he loved us and sent his son as the propitiation for our sins and so this becomes an incredible thing Because if God is in one, if his nature is in one, then they come to love like he loves. They come to love with this kind of love in them, which the Lord Jesus called the love of God. And so we read in verses 11 and 12 of 1 John 4. Beloved, Beloved, If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. That word perfected also is translatable completed. If we love like God loves, if we love like the Lord Jesus, God incarnate, loves, if we love with this kind of love with which He loved us, if we love one another with this same kind of love, then we have His perfect love in us and it's completed in us, is what John is saying. When we love like God loves, then his love is completed. In the sense that we now love in the way he loves. And the way this love is manifested to us, now this love is through us to be practiced one toward the other. That's huge, isn't it? That's absolutely huge. It's the very nature of God that brings the response of love in our hearts. It's his nature in us that must be in us if we love like this. It must be Christ in us if we can love in the way we are commanded to love here. So another observed in regard to the witness of God in this world, who cannot be seen tangibly, no man has seen God at any time, he's not... Visible. We learn of him in his word. We behold him only as knowing him in the incarnate Jesus, the Son of God. But no one had seen God at any time. How then is a person to know him? And the reply of this verse has been called breathtaking for it is John's clear statement that although God cannot be seen in himself he can be seen in those in whom he abides and in whom his love is perfected. That's an incredible thing that the world sees God in those in whom he dwells, in those who live and love as he loves. That's not at all something common in the world. It's absolutely uncommon. It's a kind of love that wasn't even known of until Christ came and offered himself this is the witness the world must have and where this is not manifested even when there are those who claim to know God who claim to believe the truth and maybe even live clean moral lives where this is not in one and not practiced God is dishonored his word is dishonored To confess or profess to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to live selfishly is to deny him. It is an outward actual denial that God is in one. It would be what the Lord said to the Pharisees when he said, I know you, that the love of God is not in you. That was an incredible statement. They knew all about certain things in the scripture. They could tell you their doctrinal position. They could list all of the commandments, particularly those they themselves had devised. But they were haters. They even hated the one who was the loveliest, loveliest of all, the Lord of glory. Plotted his death. Wanted to be rid of him. But where this love is in one in truth, and where it is exercised in truth, God is honored. The world takes notice. It is so unusual. The Lord Jesus said, by this, implying in this in the highest way. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Do you know what it is to be self giving, self sacrificial, concerned for the other. You see it all through the New Testament, of course. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You see it when the Apostle Paul carries the gospel to the Gentiles, and even those who are in poverty, out of their poverty, they give to help those who are suffering in Jerusalem. You find it in various ways, of course, in the Scripture. You see, we're not called upon simply to work a work or to speak a word, but to walk a walk. To live in a consistent way in loving one another. If you love another, you're not going to do that which will morally harm them. If you love another, you're going to be absolutely concerned for them. Not to harm them, not to any way defile them, not to any way do that which would hurt them. There's a negative sense in which this love is manifested. Paul wrote in Romans 13, I think it is, O no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, etc. Uh, thou shalt not covet. Which to love one another, you're not going to do that. Which would harm another. If there's a genuine love that's there for them sacrificially, and to love as Christ loved, as in Ephesians 5. Be ye therefore followers of God. That word followers in Ephesians 5 1 means to be imitating. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. And this is what manifest genuine Christianity, real Christianity. It's what it's all about as the Lord Jesus said to his apostles and through them to us in John 13 a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another oh yeah love was there in the old Testament it was an old commandment to love one another <clears throat> to love your neighbor as yourself but he brings in an absolutely new, reality he put us above himself in that he gave himself for us a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another not simply loving as you would be loved but as I have loved you by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another see something very important the gauge of truth is not how much you know the gauge of truth is not how much you can formulate that which is true the gauge of truth is not how well you can speak of that which is true the gauge of truth is how much you love one another how much you give yourself for one another. So, huge passage, isn't it? We have huge teaching in the Scripture. We have that which only those who are in Christ can really comply with and manifest. And they, because they're the spiritual children of God, begotten of him, born from above with his nature in them. That's what biblical Christianity is all about. But make no mistake as we conclude this message, and I think we've said enough to where it should indeed be searching to our very souls, Make no mistake, you don't become a Christian by trying to love aright or by keeping the Lord's commandments. You can't do that by nature. It's impossible to be in sin, spiritually dead in sin and trespasses, and to comply with the commands of God. Not possible by nature. You only become a Christian as you're convicted of being a sinner, lost, undone, without God in the world, deserving of judgment, deserving of an eternal hell. And then by love, God draws. By love, he shows the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love, he shows, though you have sinned, I sent my Son to redeem you from sin, to bring you to myself. And we're brought to look to him only, to trust only in him, not in ourselves, not even in our faith, not even in our repentance, but only in Christ. Christ crucified, for sinners Christ who alone finished redemption we come to him to him only to him alone we disclaim all merit or works for acceptance with God we only believe we trust only in him as a poor and needy sinner then Love becomes a fruit of this new life, brought about by God's Spirit, God living in us. Not the cause of this new life, it's the fruit of it. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. We come to Christ as poor needy sinners. We trust him only. We come to realize and embrace a glorious love that loved us in spite of us, not because of us. Then we come to learn to love the way he loves. So may God bless the ministry of his holy word. Do we have special prayer requests? I talked to uh, Bob a little before the service time. Uh, I think they're doing pretty well. Um, Carol has not had any more vertigo. They're hoping to be able, that she'll be able to drive Sunday. Uh, They want to be here so bad. And so uh, let's pray that they will be able to. Anybody heard about Kathy's condition? I talked to Linda this
1: afternoon, and um, they didn't keep her at the hospital. She definitely had about a half mile long seizure, but they also said that she had a UTI, and so they were they were waiting for that to be delivered today. Antibiotic. Okay. She was hoping to be here tonight, but I don't know. Yeah. Now, of course, we. Live
0: yes, I was very surprised to hear when we got the note from him that when he went to college, he wanted to he wanted to follow this on the live stream and uh, expressed appreciation for being under the ministry of the Word of God. So that was very surprising. <laughs> and so, yeah, we need to pray for Aiden as he goes off University of Tennessee. Right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's where Brooke is. pray for them. And, of course, again, uh, we have some serious things to deal with at the Sovereign Grace Baptist Annual Meeting, which will be in St. Louis this year, uh, September 11, 12, and 13. We'll be leaving earlier because, of course, it takes us a good while to get get there. Uh, But there's some serious matters, and you might pray for that meeting and for the delegates who come uh, to the meeting representative of the various churches I'm representative of course of this one and we uh, we need a lot of wisdom any other special prayer requests uh,
2: my uh, <coughs> my cousin's Neither of them are followers of Christ, but um, I've tried to get them to read more of the scripture, but um, she has
0: Uh, newlyweds, you said?
1: Yeah, uh, he was divorced and
0: then he remarried. Okay, pray for their salvation first and for God's deliverance. Our regulars, Amy and Jonathan, are their chronic problems. We can uh, stop the live stream, and then uh, those at home, or who at home, can do their praying at home.
2: Don't
0: ask me why, but we got ten people watching. Well, that's great. Most of us, <laughs> the ones that aren't able to come. Great. <laughs> wonderful (laughs) that's probably almost all of our people watching actually you know you can you can tune this in if you're driving like to Tennessee or something if you you have your phone and you can get whatever (laughs) you still get the the live stream I'm uh, to be fitted this coming Friday for the what's called a dynamic splint, very early Friday morning. So there's a possibility that will help straighten my leg that is that off. That you know it, it would make it very much easier to walk and do the things that I want to do if my leg was straight. I think the problem from what I've Read, I have an excellent surgeon. He did an excellent job. You look at the X-rays, and you can see the prosthetic. It's all like exactly what it's supposed to be. But I think, I think my body, its immune system, it sometimes can attack these foreign objects as foreign objects in the body. But eventually, it will accept it. <laughs> it's going to find out it's not going to get rid of it. So I guess you know, accept it. So. Um, Hopefully that will help straighten my knee. It uh, has a very good reputation for doing so. So I'm hopeful in that. If you fellows us to pray, we'll pray silently with you, and then we'll have a closing hymn.
1: Because help me. I to to do. I or... just you get, or you have to do more Yeah. and pray be able that so the so the so the so the so the to the so the so the so the so the so the so to
2: Father, thank you for gathering us together tonight and bringing us under the sound of your word. Thank you for the, which you've spoken, teaching us about the love which Christ Inconsiderate, impatient, that uh, we still have to deal with the sin that's in this flesh. I pray that you would deliver us, I pray that you would make us overcome. we do, for the least of your children we would do it as unto you, our Lord and Savior. Lord, we pray for those who we know and love, who are undergoing trials and need your special grace at this time. We pray for Bob and Carol. We pray Mm -hmm. that you continue to keep your hand on them. I pray that you would sustain them through their physical trials. I pray that Carol would be able Arrive again and to be able to be with us this coming Lord's Day. Pray for Kathy. Um, you know that she was hospitalized again and apparently had a seizure and in UTI. We pray that you would grant her recovery. To be faithful to uh, attending upon your word, whether that's through the means of watching our live stream or finding a good church in the area where he can be engaged with your people while he's there at university, I pray that you would uh, bless him and. their annual meeting. New wife Dana, we are sad to hear that she has suffered from acute liver failure, pray that you have mercy upon her, pray that you would bring her to repentance and the knowledge of yourself as well as her husband pray that you would use Jordan to be a testimony and that you would open their hearts to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ pray for Amy and Jonathan they suffer and their ongoing health problems are pregnant. You sustain them, I that you would heal their bodies and uphold their spirits. In Christ's name we pray.
3: Amen. Uh,
0: I haven't picked out a hymn. Uh, uh, see if I can find one. Let's do 454. 454. We're glad Jordan brought Sarah with him tonight.
3: hast died for me. Oh, may my love to thee, pure, warm, and changeless be a living fire. While life's dark maze I tread, and griefs around me spread, be thou my guide. Sorrow's tears away, nor let me ever stray from the aside. When in life's transient dream, when death's cold, sullen stream, shall
0: A good night, rest. No, there. Certain times, I think it first time. It's it's thirty minutes. It okay. builds up. Certain times during the day, I won't. You won't me see me walking in here with it. I was dead, but I
1: was no, how the I heard.
0: It was yeah, and and the tension is. You know, the tension is little by little.
1: Okay, and you don't
0: have to do it at night. Yeah, I can do it at night i don 't think i 'd do it sleeping overnight, but at night.
1: Maybe. Well, that's my name.